Doc said, one of my favorite things in the world to do is what we're doing right now, just gathering together as a family, worshiping God together. So if you are in fact new I, and we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I hope I get the chance to do that at Intro the Doxa today. But here is what we have. All right, today, as we move into the fall season and a new school year, before we jump into a study through the letter of Philippians, which is going to take us all the way up to Christmas, we're taking three weeks. All right, three weeks to kind of just like reset our focus on some critical aspects of spiritual health. And we're, throughout these three weeks, we're looking at three essentials to the Christian life and really three essentials to who we are as Docs of Church, Bible, family, and movement. And as we consider these things, guys, we would say that these are three essentials, three essential qualities to a healthy disciple, to a healthy Christian. And so very practically, maybe you've come to this place today and you're sitting in your seat right now and you're wanting to grow in your faith. You're wanting to grow in intimacy and closeness with God. And what, wondering, what does it look like for me to take my next step as a Christian wanting to be one who follows Jesus? Guys, let me just tell you this. These three weeks are gonna be incredibly helpful for that. And not just helpful, but really kind of foundational, formational, and essential for every single one of us as we attempt to live for the glory of God and the good of Madison. But last week, we, we walked through Bible, and we talked about what it looks like to make God's Word kind of the foundation of our life. And we talked about the, the nature of the Bible, being God's breathed-out words to us. And we talked about our, our great need for the Bible to teach us and instruct us on how to be saved. And then once we are saved, what does it look like to live as someone who is saved? And then we talked about how we receive God's word from a posture and a place of just humility, recognizing that we all have thoughts and ways about life and the things that we do, but we know that the creator and the king, God, also has thoughts and ways, and his thoughts and ways are actually higher than ours. And so we listen with humility. And I've been praying since last time we gathered like this that in light of what we talked about with the Bible and how we open up the Bible every single time we gather here at Doxa that we would get a, maybe a new or a renewed vision of the Bible and what it would look like for us to just regularly engage with God through his words to us. And so I hope that remains true and continues to grow in the life of, of Doxa. But today, we're going to be talking about another essential aspect to the Christian life, that of family. Okay, and when I say family, okay, I'm talking about life together with God and his people. All right, and if you've been around Doxa for any amount of time, you know that you've, you've certainly heard us talk about this, that we are the family of God. And that's the nature of this church, but every church that loves Jesus and teaches the Bible, that we are the family of God, that we have God as a father and we have each other as brothers and sisters. Like, it's a the weird kind of awesome, unique thing about this, this church and all churches who Jesus died to establish is that God is our Father and that we have brothers and sisters, maybe even in this room that you haven't even met yet, but you're united in Christ through faith. This is what I mean by family. And so what I wanna do today is this, okay? If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. All right, we're gonna go through some, uh, several different key passages to help us understand this essential thing of family. So a, a little different than we normally do here. Usually we just kind of go to one passage and just kind of dissect it verse by verse. But today I'm going to make you do a little bit of work and test your Bible trivia knowledge, okay? So you're going to be clicking back and forth and all that stuff. So table of contents might be helpful for some of you today. But we're going to start in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, all right? And as you get there, okay, let me, let me say this. To be part of the family of God means that you ultimately have God as your father, 
And this is so important to talk about because a lot of people think that God is the father of everyone. But when you read the Bible, we actually teach, it actually teaches us that, that this is really just not the case. That since the fall, with the first of humanity, with Adam and Eve, when sin came into the human experience, all mankind has been born in sin, and because of that sin in our life, we are all alienated on our own and separated from God. That the nature of humanity is that we're sinners, and on our own, because of that sin, we are far from God. And so while God is the creator of all, he's not the father of all. And this is an important thing for us just to recognize and acknowledge and learn. But it's only those who receive Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for sin that are reconciled to God and adopted into his family. Now I want you to look at John chapter 1, verse 12. This is where we're going to start, okay? This is what John says. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of, his, of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. All right, so as we talk about family, all right, this is an important place to start. There are three things that make us children of God where we step into the family of God, making God our father. father. The, the, the child of God, if you look back, is someone who has three things. One, receive Jesus. Two, believe Jesus. And three, has been born of Jesus. And so I want to quickly touch on these, okay? To receive Jesus means to not merely like intellectually agree with some of the facts that you read about Jesus in the Bible, but to welcome him and submit to him in a very personal way. That when you think about receiving, receiving literally means to take hold of something, to grab onto something. And so if you've received Jesus through faith, the truths of Jesus are not just facts that you know, but part of who you are. You understand the difference there? It's, it's not just like these intellectual agreements and stuff, but it's a wholehearted thing that we grab hold of that begins to move from our head to our heart to the center of who we are in the truths of Jesus, the life of Jesus begins to be played out on the stage of our life as actions. So receiving Jesus. Now to believe in his name simply means to trust what Jesus says and to put our faith in him, knowing that he is the only way to be with God. And we talked about this, that, that on our own, because of the sin in our lives, we cannot come and make our way to God on our own. Guys, there's no, like, if you don't know this, you just need to know this, and I need to save you a lot of time and frustration in your life, but there is nothing that you can do with your life, no amount of good, no amount of giving, no amount of anything that you can do to close the chasm in your life that sin has caused. And you can spend your entire life trying to work your way to God and be the type of person that seems like it would be, but it's not going to work, but it's only Jesus. When we come to Jesus in faith and we receive Jesus and we believe in Jesus, he takes our sin, we get his righteousness. Martin Luther calls this the great exchange, and we come and we become God's kids. Amen? Any of God's kids excited about that? Because this is the best news of all. This is the reason why we gather we have a family, we have a father, but the only way to have God as a father is to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so I need to ask you this. I know that we are all in different places and as it relates to our walk with God and our faith in God, but I have to ask you this question and you need to wrestle with this, is have you received Jesus and believed in Jesus? Because this is the most important question of your entire life. I mean, don't miss that. Because if the answer is no, you need to know that you are just not a child of God. 
God is not your father. And while he loves you and he has made a way for you to be with him, you are far off. You are stuck in your sin and you're heading down a very dangerous eternal separation path, which is just the terrible conscious reality of hell. And guys, I love you enough to tell you that. Like that's why this church was started because somebody told me that and God broke in and Jesus saved my life and that's what we're praying for every single person that we have an encounter with here in Madison. But he loves you and God has brought you here and he keeps bringing you back so that you can get him as a father and you can have your sin forgiven all through faith in Jesus, not by anything that you do because Jesus has done it all. Now when these two things happen in your life, all right, when we receive Jesus and believe in his name, John says, if you look back, we are born of God. All right, and this is what we celebrate here at Doxa all the time, becoming new, being born again, it's salvation. And this is why we love to celebrate baptisms, because God, God is alive, he's well, he's active, he's saving lives, he's changing lives. And this is the reason that we sing so much, and this is the reason why we have so much joy and there's so much excitement, because we have been born of God, that God is our Father, and there's a reason to celebrate, because sin no longer dictates and drives our eternities, but it's all Jesus, amen? This is why we sing. Guys, this is why Christians should be the most joyful people in the world, because we have this truth. And so, Doxa, as Christians, we need to know that we are the family of God. God is our Father, and we have many brothers and sisters. And here's the thing about family, okay? If you look up the definition of family, all right, you find something like this, all right? That a family is a group of two or more persons related by either birth, marriage, or adoption living together as a unit. That's from the U.S. Census Bureau, okay? But a family does life together, loves each other, depends on one another, helps, serves, provides, protects. They're a unit moving forward in the everyday stuff of life together. And guys, I want you to know that this is how the church is to function. Did you know that? That the church is not just about this. It's not just about putting on a great worship service. It's not about having like a cool stage design, which they did a great job with, that's cool. Those are actually pizza pans, did you know that? Anyway, guys, it's not just about this. It's not. But the church is to function as a family that we are, the, everybody's looking at these, they, they actually are pizza pans, okay? So you can come up on the stage and touch them later, but it's, it's cool. But the church is a family. And this is how we're supposed to live. But the sad reality is this is not how the church, this is not how a lot of Christians tend to live their lives. That as the years go on, people are becoming more and more isolated and keeping to themselves. And guys, the last year and a half with COVID has really just kind of radically catalyzed this trend of so many people just kind of walking through life relatively disconnected from so many other people. And that's why I believe that this topic of family is very timely for every single one of us. And so here's what I, you need to be reminded of and maybe even need to know for the first time. Christian, I'll talk to you. God has not created you to be alone, but he has created you to be in relationship, not just with him, but with others. I mean, if you go back to the book of Genesis, chapter two, God creates the first of humanity, Adam. He looks at all creation, he says it's good, then he looks at this guy by himself, and he's like, this is not good. It's not good that man should be alone, and he creates a helper, the first family, and it is very good. But for the good of your spiritual health, you need to prioritize deep, 
fellowship, friendship, and community with God's people because we were created needing each other to flourish in our lives with God. And so just understand this, guys. Spiritual flourishing, intimacy with God, fruitfulness, this all happens when we're connected to God and we're connected to God's family, other people, other Christians. And I want you to know that this is a, actually, this is a biblical idea. This isn't one that Doxa just kind of made up as we were starting the church because it sounds nice and we just kind of want to make sure everybody shows up here on a Sunday and gathers in connection groups and all that stuff. But this is a biblical thing and I want to show you this. All right, so turn to the second passage that we're going to look at. All right, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, this is how Jesus talks about it. In verse 1, Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the van, van, vine, neither can, yeah, it's not a van, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five, I am the vine, You are the branches. I want you to circle, you are the branches in your Bible. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus gives us this analogy, and really the thrust of it is kind of like all about like spiritual flourishing. It's about fruitfulness and living with Jesus in health. And what we learn is that Jesus, if you look back, is the vine, we are the branches, and God the Father is the vine dresser or the gardener. And he's talking about this. He uses this analogy to understand that our lives are intended to to flourish spiritually with him, to be very fruitful and to be healthy as we walk with him. There's actually a plan for how God has created us to live. Now, look what the Father is doing to make all of this happen. It says in verse 2, if you look back, what is the Father doing? He's pruning every branch to make it fruitful, to cause it to flourish. And this pruning that, that God does in our lives, as I want you to know, at times can be painful. That sometimes God's preparation and work in our lives to make us into the men and women that he has caused us or created us to be may come packaged as pain. And this is so important for you to know. Doxa, at times, God will use pain in our lives. He will use hardships that we go through He will use suffering and frustrations to do something, to cause something to be within us. Has anybody ever walked through just a hard season of life where you're just getting your teeth kicked in, you're suffering, but you're clinging on to Jesus, and you get through it and you look back and you're like, that sucks, I never want to do that again, but oh my gosh, I feel like I'm godlier because of that. Has anybody experienced that? Yes, if you haven't raised your hand, just keep following Jesus and soon enough that'll happen to you, okay? But he uses this pain and suffering and frustrations to cause us to flourish, to be fruitful, to cause us to become the men and women that he has called us to be. And guys, theologically, we call this sanctification, right? That the Christian life is not just so much about coming to Jesus in faith and him saving us and dying and go to heaven, right? So many people think about this. This is like, yeah, this is what the Christian life is about. It's like, I say yes to Jesus, he saves me, and then eventually I die, and I go to heaven and eat grapes and sing for eternity, right? Guys, this is not, that's, those are two moments in the Christian life. Think of it like a a double-stuffed Oreo, the mega-stuffed Oreos. You got those? Those things are so good, right? I think they're healthy for you, gluten-free, sugar-free, all that stuff. But, right, it's like those outer shells right there. Those are those two moments, 
saying yes to Jesus, he saves us, dying, going to be with Jesus, in the middle, this big part of our earthly life, our entire life, this is like the hard stuff of life, navigating it, walking with Jesus, suffering, pruning, growing, sanctification, becoming like Jesus. And Jesus uses these moments, and the Father prunes out of his great love for us and his desire for us to flourish. He prunes us to make this happen. So this is what God is doing in our lives to produce like flourishment and fruit. But I want you to know, it's not just God that's doing something. We actually have a role in this, all right? So it's not just us saying yes to Jesus and then sitting on the, the couch and watching The Simpsons eating Cheetos, right? But he's actually, there's something that we do. But what is it? So God is, is pruning. Verse four, here's what we do. Jesus says, abide in me. This is our role, we abide. And so, what is that? Guys, I want you to know that abide just literally means to stay connected to Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, for your spiritual health, for your fruitfulness, for your flourishing, God is pruning, and your role is to stay connected to Jesus. And Docs, I need you to understand this, okay? Our spiritual health, our fruitfulness, our flourishing, our intimacy with God is not some crazy, like, mysterious thing that no one can really wrap their head around and, and we can't quite figure out. It's very, mis- it's not that. Guys, it's not that difficult. It's very hard to do, but it's very straightforward and clear. I mean, hear me on this, guys. If you want a vibrant spiritual life, if you want to step into the men and the women that God has created you to be and have an intimacy with Jesus... It's just about you staying connected to him. And that's why we talk about Jesus so much, because he's the point of the Bible, he's the point of all of our lives. And every time that we gather like this, whether it's me up here on the stage teaching the Bible or whoever's up here on the stage leading out, guys, our goal is to help us all stay connected to Jesus. And there's foundational things that we do to stay connected to Jesus, to abide in him so that we don't drift away. If you look throughout this chapter, In chapter 15, we see some of these things. In verse 7, we see the essential aspect of the Word of God, the Bible, which we talked about last week, that we stay connected to Jesus by receiving his words, by God speaking to us through his God-breathed words in the Bible. This is why we do what we do here every week. We open up the Bible and just teach him. It's a vital part of us staying connected to Jesus. In verse 7 as well, Jesus says, ask whatever you wish. Guys, prayer is an essential part of you staying connected to Jesus. That prayer is just communion and communication with God. And so there's things that we do to keep us connected to Jesus, but there's actually something really significant here that I want you to see about family. Look at verse five. Here's what Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Had you circle that, and I want you to notice the plurality of branches. Jesus didn't say, like, it's just me, the vine, and you are the branch, and that's all. He says, no, you are all the branches. Like, every one of us, the church, the family of God, this is what he's talking about. You are the branches. And what we can learn from this is that abiding in Christ, staying connected to Jesus, requires not just us staying connected to Jesus individually, but us connected to one another as well. That to abide and stay connected to the vine by implication means that we stay connected to the other branches, the family of God. And so, Doxa, 
I want you to know that there is no sustainable, fruitful way to stay connected to the vine that is Jesus. To abide while you're disconnected from other branches who are the members of the family of God. We need each other. We're created to do life together, to walk with God together. It's us and Jesus. And this is a teaching that as you read your Bible, you see this with regularity throughout the New Testament. For example, turn forward to Ephesians chapter 4. All right, Jesus gives us this metaphor, this imagery of, of a vine to teach us this spiritual reality. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing and he uses this imagery of a, of a body to say much the same thing that Jesus was. And here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. All right, so if you follow this, Paul is saying that Jesus is the head, we are the body. And we know that unlike chickens, right, you can cut off a chicken's head and it can still live for a while, right? That doesn't work too well with humans, I don't think, right? But we can't exist apart from the head. And so apart from Jesus, there is no spiritual life. There is no flourishing, there's no fruitfulness. But look at verse 16. We need to be attached to the head to have this life and this flourishing. But Paul says in verse 16 that the way we grow up into the head, the way we grow with Jesus, is not just us being with Jesus on our own, but look. But Paul says the body builds itself up as each part is working together. So the health of the body is about staying connected to the head, but also staying connected to the rest of the members of the body. And so when we talk about this idea of family, we're talking about loving and walking with Jesus together, which is the plan of God and the nature of the church. Guys, this is family. We need each other. And those three key New Testament passages really help us to understand the idea and the great need we have for family. Simply put, in order for you in order for us to flourish in our relationship with God. We need each other. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. We need each other. This is family. This is the church. And so if family is essential to our growth and connectivity with Jesus, here's the big question that we have to ask. How is it that we live with the family? Because while family is great, it's beautiful, it's needed, it can also be difficult, right? I mean, we all have those people in our family. Am I the only one? Right? Here comes Uncle Hank. He's going to say something weird, offend everybody, tick everybody off, just ruin the vibe, right? They're just weird, they offend. How do, so how do we deal with that? How do we live together? How do we live as family? One more passage that I'm going to have you turn to. Back to the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34. Doc, so here's the beautiful thing about when we ask this question of how do we live as family. We don't have to create like a, a plan for this. Like it's not us trying to say, well, this is how we're going to live. Guys, no, we open up the Bible and God speaks to us. He's a sa savior, but he's also a helper and a teacher. And he teaches us how we live as the church, as the family of God. Look at verse 34 of chapter 13. Here's what Jesus says. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
And so if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, a child of God, what we do is we are under authority. We listen to the words of Jesus and we adapt them and adopt them to our lives. And we follow his ways. And what we see here is that he said the way that you live with the family is what? You love one another. Because this is how we live. That Christians love each other. And when Jesus says like a new commandment I give to you, this is not like Jesus saying, well, I got a new suggestion or a new idea or a new possibility or a new life option for you. But this is a commandment given by God. And so people who are under authority, listening to our king and our creator, we just say, okay, we got to figure this out. How do I do this? And we do it. And so what does that even mean to love one another? Right? Because we all have different ways that we feel loved and like to give love. Like maybe right now you're even thinking about like, what is my love language? Oh, I like to be touched. Physical touch is my big thing. And so you're like, I'm going to love people. And you're going to be that person who gives those awkward hugs and rubs people's backs when they just come up to you. Right? You know people like that? Don't get it. Don't really like it. I feel loved by, I guess, a little bit, but it weirds me out. But how do you love? Don't be that. You know, it's fine. Never mind. But how do we love? Jesus tells us. And if we look to God's word, if you look back, look back at verse 34, you'll notice that phrase, one another. All right, that one another is used some hundred times throughout the New Testament. In 59 of those occurrences, it's used to talk about how we treat each other and how not to treat each other in the family of God. And these one another statements really just form the basis for all true Christian community and inform how we live as the family. Okay, so I was thinking about like how to do this. I'm like, okay, I could just pick one or two, but that's not good. And I was like, well, I'll just do all 59. And I'm like, well, they'll all leave anyway halfway through. And so here's what I'm going to do. Meet in the middle, 15. Okay, 15 passages. I want to go do that. And this is why, guys, I want to show you, I want you to feel the sweep that when Jesus says to love one another, I want you to feel the weight and how much this encompasses with our entire life and how we're to interact with each other. And as we go through these, I'm just gonna read them, I'm gonna make a couple comments. You should be praying and be praying that God would show you how you are living like this and how do you need to change to be like Jesus and live among the family of God. And if you are new to this, I love that you're here, that you didn't pick an awkward week that we were talking about sex or something like that, but because you get to hear this. And if maybe you're trying to figure out what we're all about, you're gonna get a great sense of what we're trying to be all about and how we're trying to live with one another in Jesus. So John chapter, or 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 says it this way. Beloved, and you can write these down, talk about it in your connection group. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So this is John just reiterating the words of Jesus in this great overarching command to care and love each other. And guys, I want you to know that the love we give is really just an overflow of the love that we have received from God through Jesus. That we don't manufacture this love for one another, but we simply just receive it and give it. And this is why it's so important for us to abide in Jesus, to receive from Jesus through his words to us in the Bible, to communicate and commune with Jesus through prayer, because we can't give what we don't have. And your ability to love is based on your experience with love. And so if we are abiding in Christ, we are abiding in the love of God, we receive it and then we are able to give it. And just as Jesus, he's not just our savior, but he's our model. So we pattern our life after him. And as he gave love and he gave himself for people, we live like this towards one another with love. Look at Paul in Romans chapter 15, verse 7. He says it like this. 
Therefore, welcome one another, or accept one another, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Doxa, our lives and our gatherings, whether it's here on a Sunday morning, or in your house or apartment at Connection Group throughout the week, should be welcoming places. They should be places where people are accepted and received and that they maybe, they see the love of God, they feel the love of God, they experience the love of God before they even hear it. This is what we're talking about, welcoming people, letting them see and feel in a very tangible way the love of God before you maybe even proclaim the love of God through the gospel of Jesus. And I love that I see this happening, guys. One of the reasons why I love this church is because we're learning to love, and there's so many people in here that are just so, I was talking with a guy just a couple weeks ago who came to Doxa for the first time, and he was just honest enough to say, I'm not a Christian, I'm not really religious, but you can plan on me being back here. And I was like, great. He's like, I don't know what's going on with this place, but there's people in here that have treated me like they've known me my whole life. And I'm not used to that. Love, we welcome as Christ has welcomed us. It's part of how we live as family, loving one another. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so as we live with him and one another, it's the idea of sacrificial love that the greatest actually is the servant of all. And part of loving one another as a family is to serve one another like Jesus has served us, that Jesus went to where he didn't belong so that we could belong. And we love and we serve in this way. It's embracing and living a humble posture with our lives where we're selfless with our time, with our talent and our treasures towards other people. We have our head on a swivel and we're seeking how can we love each other? Ephesians chapter five, verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's humility. It's thinking of yourself less towards one another. We're humble. We understand that life doesn't revolve around us. Do you know that? Like, I know we have this, like, very, like, narcissistic, egocentric view of the world in our culture today, but life doesn't revolve around us. It revolves around Jesus, and as we worship him and submit to him, we actually look outward, not inward, to love and submit to one another. First Thessalonians chapter 5, as are always seek to do good, to one another and to everyone. Part of living as a family, loving one another is doing good. It's giving grace, it's showing love, it's caring, providing, helping, protecting. Ephesians chapter four, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgave you. Doxa, you wanna be a radical person. You wanna shine like a, a torch in a dark room. Be kind. I mean, how radical is that in our world today? This is Jesus. This is how we live towards one another and love one another as family. It's kindness, tenderhearted, giving grace, forgiveness, just like Jesus. It always goes back to him. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up into love and good works. I mean, I want you to think about this, guys. If you are a Christian, every single one of us, we can point back to people who have shaped us and helped us to love Jesus, who have stirred us up in our past. That's the truth. 
And it's not just those people that God appointed to come into your life to stir you with love and to help you to know and to follow Jesus and for God to use that person in you to give you a heart for God and for people. But God has actually called us now to do the same thing. This is discipleship. We receive it and then we go and we give it. Helping other people become loving, just like Jesus. See, the aim of our lives is not just for us to be loving and doing good deeds by ourselves, but helping to stir those around us in the family to do that same thing. You know, we just had our Docs and Men's event here yesterday morning, and I loved it. There was about 100 men just sitting in here. You know what I saw? It wasn't a bunch of testosterone and sweaty guys. I saw a group of men being stirred. That as they sat here, there were guys that loved Jesus with everything that they have, and they were running hard. There were also guys over here that were just trying to figure it out, not even Christians. And as we sat here and we listened to someone's God story, listened to the Bible being taught, we got into small groups and talked, I just saw the Holy Spirit just stirring the hearts of men to become more and more like Jesus. And that's what he's doing right now. And this is why we're so excited about Docs of Women coming up because, guys, we've been getting environments like this where we're together loving one another and we're stirring each other up to love and good works. Hebrews 10.25, it's not just stirring up, but look, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So living as family, loving one another, is a mutually giving thing, all right, that it's not just about coming to church and kind of just sitting there and receiving a sermon. Preaching is very critical, we know that, but it's a mutual thing that we do. It's talking to each other, it's building each other up, it's encouraging each other each and every day of our lives as we walk with Jesus. And as I was thinking about this, the closest thing that we have to this in the Doxa family is connection group. We're in one another's lives, we're in one another's homes, encouraging each other and pointing each other towards Jesus. And guys, when we talk about connection, don't hear this as me say like, oh wow, he's pushing connection groups and we really need to get, no. Guys, you know that connection groups is not like a thing that Doxa just invented because, of, oh yeah, we need more people gathering. Guys, small groups has always been the plan of God. You know that? The spirit of God falls. In Acts chapter two, Pentecost, the church explodes. People start meeting Jesus. There's thousands, 10,000 people meeting Jesus. Where do they go? They go to people's homes all over the city to worship God, to stir each other up, to encourage each other. It's always been this. And so if you're in a spot where you're in the habit of not gathering here on a Sunday, you know, and I, and I know I get it, guys. COVID, it made it very, the, the couch pajama worship thing, super great, right? You can just eat your snacks and all that stuff while you just watch the TV. It's not the same. Or if you're not in a connection group, Here's what you need to know, because you just need to know that this is a big part of living in the family of God. And your spiritual life will be hindered if that not gathering habit persists. We're going to keep going. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And again, Guys, it's not just me and Jesus every day, but it's we and Jesus every day. That you and I, we need more than just a weekly worship gathering. We need relationships, we need family, we need intentionality, we need discipleship where we're with people, we're with family. 
where we're hearing the word of God, not just on our own, as we're sitting at our table with our coffee, but we're hearing the word of God through God's people as we're doing life with them, encouraging us and pushing us forward, stirring us up. Because this is a big part of living as family, and because sin threatens to rob our joy and hinder our relationship with God as a family, we help each other to stand firm in the faith and fight against sin. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Bearing with one another in love, fighting for unity and closeness. Guys, doesn't this sound like the family that we all want? I mean, seriously, right? Every time we're in a group, Like we're trying to find a group of people that would love us like this, that would build us up like this, that would have that type of unity in love. Guys, this is the church that God has desired and Jesus has died to establish. This is how we're to live. And this is why we all search for community, whether you find it in the CrossFit group or you find it in the mom group or wherever you find it. We're all looking for this type of community. And it's not just because, guys, that we, we have this innate desire because whatever, we, we just kind of, it's because we're made in the image of God and he has given us that desire. But the way that he has it to be fulfilled is through God and people. His people coming together in love like this. And so we fight for unity. We don't live like the world because we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're children of God. And so like as the world is going crazy right now and has been for a while, right, and they're dividing and arguing, so quick to do that, we unite around the gospel of Jesus. We're humble, we're patient, and we fight for unity among the brothers and sisters. Amen? This is what we do. 2 Corinthians 13, comfort one another. Romans chapter 12, outdo one another in showing honor. Usually the one-uppers in a story are usually the ones that you don't want to be around. Be a one-upper in showing honor. Love them so well. Colossians chapter 3, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Guys, as we live as family, with loving one another, this involves being patient with one another's flaws. Because none of us are perfect. There's one perfect person in Doxa Church. His name is Jesus. The rest of us are really jacked up. We got some problems. We got some struggles. We got some sin. And you just need to know, as we do life together, we are going to hurt each other. We are going to offend each other. We are going to sin against each other. If you're looking for a church that that's not going to happen, Doxa Church is just not your church. You're not going to find one because we're all broken. And we live with each other. And when we hurt each other, we forgive. We love just like Jesus has forgiven us. Two more, James 5, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The family of God filled with broken people, and I say this all the time, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. And as a family, we help each other. We're in each other's lives, pointing each other towards the glory of God. And when we confess our sins to one another, we just bring our sin into the light where God can heal it And we can be helped by other people in our lives, helping us to walk in freedom, victory, and joy. And then the last one, 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Family does life together, and a lot of that life happens in homes. And I pray that as we try to be a loving family like this, and we're neighboring and people are coming into our homes, that the love of God would be so thick in our homes that God would use it to not just change lives of here of Christians and stir affections and grow us up into the head that is Christ, but guys, that we would be what Jesus said in John chapter 13, that people would see this radical love and just be like, what is that? 
Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by the way that you love. Let's be these loving people. Let's be a church that loves God and loves people. And here's how I'll end. Jesus desires our church family to be marked by this love and to be, have this love lived out towards one another. And this love is not something that's manufactured within us, but it's a love that comes to us through Jesus and then flows out of us towards one another. And I want you just to know that Christianity, family, begins with God's love for you. And before God asks you to love him or love anyone else, he, God, he first loves you. And then he gives you his love so that you can love him and that you can love others. Guys, this is the love of God. And it's God's love that is not just something that he feels for us, but it's something that he did for us. And at the cross of Jesus, we see that the love of God is not merely sentimental. Oftentimes when we think about loving people, we, we think about just like an affection, an emotional feeling that doesn't necessarily lead to action. But thankfully, for our sake, for our salvation, God doesn't merely feel things for us, but he actually, his love compels him to do something for us. And he went to the cross and he died. In Jesus' work, out of his love, his actions took our sin away so that we could be reconciled to God in the family of God where he is our father. And this is where we first experience the true love of God. And this is something that we can never forget. And this is something that I will never stop preaching. And this is something that this church will never stop talking about and will never stop singing it. It's the love of God. God loves you. He loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. This is the gospel. This is what it's all about. And this love that comes to us in the man, Jesus, then works through us to love others like this. But it starts with Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And so to focus on this love right now, here's what we're going to do. You got communion cups when you walked in. Go ahead and grab that. We're going to take communion together. So I'm going to invite you to stand. I want you to go ahead and take off that top layer. I want you to grab that bread. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, gathered up his disciples, a bunch of just random dudes, a lot of problems, a lot of issues, and Jesus says, he takes the bread, he says, hey, this is my body, which is broken for you. Doxa, as we take communion, before we even think about going and loving one another, we need to remember how God has loved us through the man Jesus. And so as you hold this bread in your hand, you recognize that this is Jesus' body. We recognize that this is a symbol of Jesus' body broken for us. And so as you take this, thank God for the love that he has given us in Jesus, the body of Christ for you, Doxa. as you take the juice Jesus said this is my blood that has been spilled for you as we take this we remember the truth that by his stripes we are healed that Jesus gave everything his body his blood so that we do not have to stand condemned under the weight of sin but we can walk in freedom because of the grace of Jesus and so as you take the juice thank him Thank you for your blood. Doxa, the blood of Christ shed for you.
God, thank you that you have made us family. Thank you that you are a good father. As we sing and respond to your great love, let us just experience that so that we can live that out towards 